Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Time to kick off Season 16 of the Being Freelance podcast. And this episode is supported by Freelancer Magazine, helping you grow a freelance business you love, sharing inspirational stories from freelancers around the world, freelance-specific business advice, practical tips, trends, events, and lifestyle features. There's a digital version, but mm, get those sweet, glossy pages in your hands. Freelancers across 25 countries are already subscribed to Freelancer Magazine. Make yourself one of them at freelancermagazine.co.uk. Right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for positively playful visual storyteller Ashwin Chaco. The whole world was paused. Okay, this is the perfect opportunity to pause. All this time, I've been living this survival mentality. You know, you just got to make enough to keep going. And now I was like, why have I been doing what I'm doing? What sort of impact do I want my work to make? Businesses actually like to talk about money up front. They like to be clear about that. So why do we hesitate as artists to ask for what we're worth? You know, have the conversation up front and both parties are much happier. The other great thing about being freelance and working for yourself is the fact that if it's a sunny day in Dublin and it's one of those rare, beautiful days, you take the whole day off and you just go to the beach and you just balance the work off. There's nothing like, nothing like having to feed a family <laughs> to, to keep you motivated. You don't have a choice. I, by choice, am introverted, but have taught myself to be extroverted specifically to build a business. Yeah, so there is Ashwin, originally from India, now in Ireland. And oh my goodness, you are in for such a treat. (laughs) He says so many good things. It was really hard to choose what was going to go in the opening sequence. You're in for a treat as we kick off the eighth year of the Being Freelance podcast. Uh, Whatever stage of your freelance business you are in, so many good stories coming up to inspire you. So many already in the back catalogue if you've not explored it. It doesn't matter about what each guest does for a living. It's all about the being freelance. Well, when I say it doesn't matter what they do, I mean as in it doesn't matter if it doesn't relate to you. Like I'm not a graphic designer or an illustrator, for example, but I'm loving hearing Ashwin's story. So yeah, anyway, check them out, beingfreelance.com, wherever you found this podcast if it's possible to leave a review did you know you can leave reviews on spotify now you can um do it do it please it really does help not just my ego helps us get found and if being freelance helps you you can help me keep it going go to beingfreelance.com slash coffee you can treat me to coffee and biscuits basically it's my Kofi page it's my <laughs> i should probably find a better way of saying it it's my Kofi page um also remember you're not alone being freelance you can come and join us in the community thousands of freelancers from around the world hanging out in there supporting each other cheering each other on it's such a nice place to be i hope you'll join us and if you are new to freelancing or you know somebody is like maybe you're just getting started you're doing it on the side or you've been going maybe a year or two and you're thinking "Hmm, there must be a better way i have pulled everything that i've learned personally but also learned from speaking to so many freelancers over the years to create the course how to get started being freelance so do check that out as well beingfreelance.com and uh, actually i'll mention this now ashwin in his episode mentioned i mean only this is only a minor spoiler alert ashwin mentions that he learned a lot from reading business books and we have our own business book club 
in the Being Freelance community. And we're about to do our first one like in a few weeks time from now. It's not too late to join in if you listen to this as it goes out. Uh, We're going to be reading. Where is it? What's it called? Here it is. It's called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. It says, clarify your message so customers will listen. Check out the Being Freelance community and all of the details of a book club are in there. We're not chatting about it until later in February. So you do have time to come and join us. Right. That's enough. I hope you're well and I hope you're looking forward to hearing the first story of season 16 positively playful visual storyteller based in dublin that is ashwin chaco hey ashwin hey hey how's it going i'm good thanks so much for doing this as ever how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance so as far back as i can remember i always wanted to draw and i particularly remember the story of me at the age of five or six asking my mother if i could make drawing a living At the time, of course, she shrugged her shoulders and said, we'll see. But uh, (laughs) as things were, um, I continued to pursue that idea of potentially making drawing a living. So I applied for visual communications when I finished my high school. And uh, that's Mm -hmm. when I first started getting hired to do my freelance job. So I was fortunate enough to meet a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. He's a cartoonist and a freelance illustrator uh, named Jonathan. And he actually gave me my first gig. He he took me under his wing and uh, he would chuck me the odd job here and there. And uh, that's the crux or the nexus of my start. So you were doing those freelance projects while you were still yes. studying? Yeah, And then what happened when you finished studying? I continued to do that freelance work. So I actually switched universities from studying uh, visual communications at the start. Uh, I quit a year in because uh, after the first year, it was going to become a very um, theoretical course. And I thought to myself, I need a portfolio at the end of this. How am I going to get hired? And because of that, I looked for other opportunities and animation was just starting out in India. It was one of the new courses available and I found a university that was offering a degree in it. So I studied animation and multimedia. I continued to freelance in there, getting small odd jobs here and there throughout that process. And I finally transitioned out of animation and multimedia And I ended up doing nothing with animation, but going into graphic design and working in advertising in a really funky company called Womama Design. And so I continued to work at Womama Design during the day, and I would freelance with uh, projects that I was passionate about during the night. And how would you get those pieces of work that you were doing at night? A lot of it was actually word of mouth, like friends passed on things to me um, that they were working on that they couldn't get to, or it was, um, I'm trying to remember the, I think it was called Ondesk or... Odesk. Yes. I think it was Odesk prior to becoming Upwork now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to look on Odesk for potential jobs as well back then. So how did that start to change? So you're, you know, at this point, you're working during the day, you're freelancing at night. How long did that go for? Uh, So it went for, I think I started 2009. 
is where I see myself as officially freelancing, not full-time, but part-time along with work. Mm -hmm. I continued to do that all the way to 2015 when me and a buddy of mine, we decided to start our own studio and it was called Custom Clay. And this was while I was still in India. So we started it, yeah, 2015. And then at the end of the year, I ended up moving to Ireland. Even though we just started it, I continued to then freelance for a year in India while I was living here. And then we ended up closing the studio because it's just too hard to maintain across the two. So so you were doing the studio full time? Yeah, me and a buddy, we decided to just start our own like design studio. And it was going to be called Custom Clay. We wanted to do clothes and pick projects that we were interested in. We were kind of like disfranchised from the kind of crappy clients we kept getting at work. So, mm. And how did you find, you know, like working? Actually, I was going to say working with somebody else, but more than that, working with a friend. It was really good uh, because we had very separate skills. He was very much the business mind and I was more of the creative wild card. (laughs) And so the two of us would have been a really great partnership uh, because we could um, designate specific roles to specific jobs. Mm. How did that change then when you went solo and you had to do those jobs yourself? It was a big learning curve. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, uh, like, it was a short stint with Custom Clay. But then when I moved to Ireland, I ended up working here as an art director for another company for six months before I had to then push myself into freelance. So, like, that job didn't really work out. And so I ended up having to look for work. And I couldn't find any work. So I was like, okay. I just have to make this freelance thing work. I started, you know, doing what I could, making connections. Half of them (laughs) were still from India, but that doesn't really work well in Ireland with the currency exchange. So it was a real mix of things that was happening all at the same time. And then at the back of 2019, I started studying more like business books Mm -hmm. and watching YouTube channels like the future yeah. where they were talking about the business of design and i started incorporating some of those ideas into how i create what i do and then between 2019 and 2020 i finally transitioned into becoming a full-time illustrator and that was a big jump for me which has been really good as in because before that you were would you just design anything it, how do you mean like describing yourself as an illustrator yeah so like before i was like before it would be graphic design heavy and the odd illustration job here and there and over the last three years i was able to transition into full-time illustrator so i made a conscious decision not to take any more graphic design work on which meant turning it down yes how'd you find that well it was good actually for me, I, I think I did it at the right time and uh, it was a very conscious decision to pursue this line of work because trying to be everything for everybody was not going to work out and it wasn't working for me. And there was so much fluctuation and even though I really wanted to passionately pursue illustration because of the need to get paid, 
you'd just take any job on, right? Mm. End of 2019, I had the opportunity to work on a residency at Facebook. And so I did that and that residency ended the day lockdown started. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So really good timing for me because at least (laughs) that was all sorted. I got to do it without any of the restrictions and all of that. Um, But this then gave me a little cushion and a time to pause. The whole world was paused. So I was like, okay, this is the perfect opportunity to pause. Right now, all this time, I've been living on this survival mentality. You know, you just got to make enough to keep going. And now I was like, why have I been doing what I'm doing? And what sort of impact do I want my work to make? So I went through this introspective journey of finding my purpose And in finding my purpose and creating a vision, I then could make very conscious decisions about how I wanted to move forward in the following years. And because I was very conscious about that process and saying, these are the right clients for me and these are the other ones are not, it allowed me to grow. What did you put in place to make that happen? So I uh, revamped my full website. I got rid of all graphic design stuff. I only had illustrative stuff inside it. I clarified what my style was. So I got rid of all the other styles that I could potentially do and picked one that best suited, number one, my purpose, which was to bring joy and encouragement in everything I do. So the current style you see that I use constantly is basically the conduit to get across both my personality and my message. And so like I see style as the bridge between the two. And by clarifying that, I could then have a very clear message across to the people. And so with the clients that I get as well, all I have to do is ask the simple question, will this project bring joy and encouragement? And if it does, then we have a way forward. Did it take long for this to sort of kick in, I guess, for you to become known for this uh, for being an illustrator, for doing this style, to to getting the work that you'd aimed to get? Uh, surprisingly, it was a very quick amount of growth, an unexpected amount of growth. And I think, again, it has to do with timing. Obviously, I'd put in a lot of time over the last five years that I've been here in, in Ireland with building connections and community and all of that. Then with the pandemic and the switch uh, with the advertising industry not being able to do video, not being able to do photography, and me being clear about what solutions I can offer as an illustrator. This suddenly positioned me in a place that was very desirable for companies to work with me and for previous um, friends of mine who worked as art directors or creative directors to connect because my work was very relevant for the current time. It was bringing optimism in a time that felt very dark, very um, very foreboding without um, <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel. And so I think there's lots of little factors that fed into that fact, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And how did you, I mean, okay, so there's people that you know, there's connections that you've made, but did you do any sort of outreach? Were you emailing people or? I did not email people in 2020 what i did do is i launched a personal project and that personal project was to self-publish my book what wonder shapes we are 
It's a children's book. And it tackles with the question of diversity and the fact that we come in many shapes and sizes. But at the end of the day, we're all people and we need to appreciate the wondrous shapes we come in. And so I launched that book. And obviously, with the launch of the book, I reached out to as many people as I could on social media, emailed potential people to give it a review and that process then started getting my name into different people's inboxes, I suppose. Uh, I got invited to do workshops for children through that process. And then it just started uh, a snowball effect. You know, that one project then propelled other things that came forward the rest of the year. Basically, br- bringing your your portfolio and your aim of positivity to life, of joy to life, in a book. So it was self-published? Yes, so was the aim, it sounds ridiculous, but to sell them to make money or was your, your thinking, no, I want to get this out so people see what I'm able to do? What was your thinking? Well, the, the core Maybe it was of... neither. <laughs> yeah, the, the core of that was actually I wanted to write the book for my kids. Um, in 2018, I initially wanted to start writing kids books. I'd written this book called Into the Woods We Go. And I was super excited about the project. I was hyped. I had the layout all done. I had the story written out and I sent it out to publishers. It went out everywhere. Um, and then, then the wait began. Six months go by, no word. One year goes by and I get one email in my inbox that says it's a no. And at that stage, of course, I'd lost all traction and all all motivation to finish that project. But 2020 really one of the great things about it was it gave me that time to pause and consider what I want to do. And for me, the decision was simple. I can't allow anybody else to prevent me or my perception of permission to publish a book or to do something. And so I was like, this is an important message. I want it for my kids and I need to get it out there. And so the message was the driving part. And the hope was obviously that it would pay for itself. You know, the project would pay for for itself. And also, then it shows potential publishers that it's mitigating my risk factor. Like a lot of people do not think of publishers as a business, but it's purely a business. And so you, in order for them to take a new author on, they need to see the potential that they are going to be a good investment. And in order for that to happen, they need to see that you're a low risk factor. And some ways that can happen is through an agent because the agent has vetted you or you have to somehow prove to them that you can bring something new to the table. And that's what I did through this process of that book. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it looks amazing. So it worked? It worked. I got three publishers through that process so cool so three separate publishers for different books yeah three different books congratulations so (laughs) thank you with those publishers for three separate books was it because you were sending them new ideas for books (laughs) did you send the same idea to everyone i'm just one i mean three that's amazing so it's weird it works this is why i think it's so important to maximize your social media because it works in your favor in ways that you don't even know. 
So the first publisher I got was a local publisher here. And that happened through the Trillin's workshops that I was doing. And I was working with an organization here called Trillin's Book Ireland. Because they enjoyed working with me, they recommended me to other people. And through that process, I contacted one of the editors at the publishing house and said, hey, I've got this book, What Wonder Shapes We Are. Would you be interested in publishing it? They had a look at it. They were like, this book isn't quite right for us, but what other ideas do you have? And that then began a conversation with them. The second one was a publisher in America, and they're called A Kid's Book About. And their designer, Luke, followed me on Instagram. And when they were looking for new potential authors, he had seen What Wonder Shapes We Are, and he recommended me to the team who then reached out to me And I had the opportunity to write a kid's book about justice. And the third one was an acquisition officer at DK whose friend recommended my website. And she saw What Wonder Shapes, asked me if I was interested in getting it published. I had also written another book, which I can't name right now because it's all in the talks. But basically, the second book that I'd written, they decided to acquire it. And so that'll be coming out in a couple of years. Wow. As you say, it just goes to show. But also, would you describe yourself as like having confidence in reaching out to people? Or is it something you really have to work at? I think it it's definitely something you have to work at. So I think one big or really important step that you have to take is distangling your identity from your work. So... You have to understand that you are valuable regardless of what work you do. And so once you make that distinction, you've suddenly positioned yourself to take criticism on your work or to take failure from your work and see it as an opportunity for growth. And so if you have confidence in yourself, then any criticism to your work becomes an avenue to improve yourself. And thus there's growth and confidence in the ability that you get through that process. Brilliant. Do you know, that almost sounds like part of that could be a quote from your Keep At It book. Probably is. <laughs> <laughs> was Keep At It a, a self-published book? Yes, it was. That was self-published uh, January 2019. That had started on the back of an Instagram project that I started in 2018. So at the time, there was a lot of typography going around. And I was like, I really love hand lettering and typography. And I want to get hired to do that. So how do you do that? I need to create a project where I can practice making myself better at this skill and also showcase the type of work I can do. So I did this 30-day project where I illustrated a quote every day for 30 days. At the end of the 30 days, when I look back at all the work, I realized a lot of it was a reflection of the freelance life (laughs) and uh, sort of quotes or advice I would have given myself 10 years ago. I was like, this would make a great book. This is a great way to give back to the community. So I just put all the information together, created the book, and then I emailed a bunch of art directors in Ireland and I said, hey, I've got a new portfolio. Would you be interested in meeting? I'd love to show you my stuff. And so I took the book around the physical book. They got a chance to look at it. They looked at all the other stuff I had on my website. And then I started getting hired to do typography work. 
And so sometimes you have to create the type of work. Actually, always you need to create the type of work that you want to get. Yeah, it's fantastic. We'll put links, of course, at beingfreelance.com to Ashwin's site, which is wackochaco.com, right? Um, yes. Is that like... Um, a business name that you have or just a fun way to portray yourself online? So that's actually a moniker I earned in high school. So <laughs> <laughs> I earned it because I used to wear these really quirky clothes and they started calling me Wacko Chaco. And you owned it. Yeah, I owned it. So, so basically, <laughs> like, I grew up in the 90s, right? Um, and rap and hip-hop was big. But I came from a missionary family. I had no exposure to it. But turning up at this international boarding school, obviously all the cool kids were into hip-hop and rap. And to endear myself to the cool crowd, I took to shaving my head, wearing a bandana, and stealing my dad's T-shirt so I could look like Tupac. Uh, <laughs> This uh, insecurity continued all the way from like uh, elementary to high school until I finally had the opportunity to go on exchange to Australia. And going to Australia, suddenly I was outside the bubble of this narrative that I was exposed to in this small international boarding school. And it made me realize as long as I listen to everybody's feedback about how I should look, how I should dress... Um, I'll never be my own person. I'll always be somebody else's expectations. I'll be living their narrative. And so I made a conscious decision only to wear and dress with things that interested me. And I love waistcoats. So that was one of the things I like quirky shoes. And yeah, I used to pair weird clothes together and wear lots of hats. So when I came back, they started calling me Wacko Chaco. So when it came to starting my own business, I was like, this is perfect. Wacko, it used to initially be called Wacko Inc. Because like Wacko was my, who I was and Inc. was like what I did. And then later on, it switched to Wacko Chaco because Wacko kind of describes my art as well now. And uh, Chaco obviously is who I am. So good. Speaking about the like the the ways you you sort of earn a living, I guess, like for different income streams. Yeah, you've mentioned stuff that you create yourself, so uh, books. There is illustrations that you do for companies, so yeah. client work in in that respect. Uh, but you mentioned workshops as well. Yeah. So there's actually multiple streams of income. Uh, this is so important for a freelancer is to always have multiple streams because if one stream dries up, you have other options. So I do prints and uh, I have a clothing brand that I used to screen print originally, but now because of the pandemic, I use Treadless to sell my clothes on. Then I do public speaking because I was really interested in doing motivational speaking. So I speak at companies about like insecurity and, you know, how to stay positive and how to maximize your social media topics like that. I think that's the, the key basis. Like the three key audiences that I have is like the pep talks, the shop, and then of course uh, my commercial clients. Oh, I also teach at uh, university. I lecture and teach them how to draw. Oh, cool. Yeah. So as well as having the, you know, the, the importance of the different income streams, does it, I don't know, make a difference to the way you enjoy freelance life, having all of those different things going on? Yeah, it means I'm never bored. <laughs> 
I can be creative in multiple ways. You know, it's not just one aspect. And I think that's very much linked to my own personality. I like to try lots of different things. But this way I can try lots of different things, but still be niched and relevant to specific people so that I'm not all over the place. And I can present a consistent brand across everything. How have you got on with the business side of running a, a business? Like, particularly once you sort of changed over the past few years. Yeah, it's been really good because it has brought clarity and understanding of how businesses work. The idea that you know businesses actually like to talk about money upfront; they like to be clear about that. So why do we hesitate as artists to ask for? what we're worth, you know, have the conversation up front and both parties are much happier. Another big lesson is communication. Communication is key to run any great business. So the idea that you answer emails well, you set up meetings quickly, you clarify the process you go through to create the work that you create. And each time you do something like that, you are mitigating your risk as a potential client you're showing the other company that you're an investment worth making and that you're not risky because you deliver and you deliver a high caliber of work and you always deliver it on time and you always communicate about the process of it setting expectations is so important both for yourself and for the client <laughs> yeah how about the work-life balance side of it you mentioned having kids yeah, so I, as a rule, try my best not to work over the weekend. So Saturday and Sundays are generally off. There's a, the odd workshop that lands on one of those days or a local market. But outside of that, I try to keep that as separate as possible. And then because I work from home, I have the opportunity to take pauses during the day. So I might take a extended lunch break and, you know, hang out with my kids or uh, shut off at five o'clock. We'll all have dinner together and then I might have like a talk later in the evening. So it's taking those pause moments. The other great thing about being freelance and working for yourself is the fact that if it's a sunny day in Dublin and it's one of those rare, beautiful days, you take the whole day off and you just go to the beach and you just balance the work off. Which sounds easier to do than it is. <laughs> a lot of people almost feel the guilt like they should carry on working and not seize the sunny day. I've I've learned um, the work's not going to go away. You know, I, I think that's a, another thing is um, abundance mentality. You know, if you work from a poverty mindset, you think there is a scarcity of everything. And because there's scarcity, you you need to fight to survive and to make enough. Whereas if your mindset is that of an abundance mentality, meaning there's endless amounts of work and potential that you can get. And so just because you miss out on one job doesn't mean you're not going to get a better one down the line. Love it. Now, Ashwin, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? So the first one is um, I've always wanted to draw for a living. The second one is I've worked in multiple jobs in the creative industry. And the third one is, I always dreamed of coming to Ireland to make this a reality. Oh, now, now this is 
odd because I'd heard number one and I'd heard number two and I thought, oh, well, he's, I'm sure he's already said these, you know, during the course of our conversation. And then you said number three and I thought, oh, I kind of feel like he's also said that. So either you've you've misunderstood the concept of lying and you've just told me three true things or I've misunderstood <laughs> which one of these is multiple jobs. Maybe it was that one because how many... I'm sure you said you always wanted to draw. Uh, that's true. Or, of course, maybe you never wanted to come to Ireland and that was just... Uh, we didn't touch upon how you ended up there or why. So maybe that was an accident. Maybe uh, multiple jobs. So, yeah, actually, well, no, I could ask you about these things. So <laughs> so what did make you want to... What was it about Ireland? So I, uh, I never planned to come to Ireland. Uh, my wife is Irish and um, we met in India and after the birth of our second kid we decided to move here so she could be closer to her family. Ah. In that case I'm going to say number two. That sounded very convincing. <laughs> number two is the lie. No it's number three. The... Oh what? <laughs> yeah because like um, I came here but that was never the intention or like I never dreamed about coming here to progress my my career. In fact, at that time, I had just launched my uh, my business with my buddy, Custom Clay. Oh, yeah, of course. So Ireland actually was has never been on my radar, but it is fortunate that we did end up coming here because it has uh, unveiled so many possibilities. I think it's it's really well positioned in the world for. It's like access to Europe, access to UK, access to America. And because it's small, I could integrate into that community once I got the foot in. <laughs> but yeah. Out of interest, like when you first moved there and you said, so I started to grow my network. And yeah. I remember thinking, as you said, that, oh, that sounds easy. And I thought, I bet it wasn't. Like, how did you, How did you go about growing that network in a new country? Oh, man, that was real tough because... The Irish are friendly, but it's still hard to uh, <laughs> break past, you know, the superficial hi and hello, you know. Um, so mm. it's a, it, it was a process of uh, going to lots of different events, cold emailing people, and then reaching out on LinkedIn to say, hey, I'm new to this country. Would you be open to having a conversation with me about the industry? I'd love to hear more. And so it was the combination of the three um, that worked for me to build the community I have now. It was also volunteering my time to things that I thought would uh, would be beneficial. Like if there was an opportunity, I'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it for free. I, I just want to help out and be a part of this. And those, of course, then opened other opportunities as well. It takes guts just to reach out to people online, frankly. Well, it, it was life or death, right? I had to. <laughs> There's nothing like nothing like having to feed a family <laughs> to <laughs> to keep you motivated. You don't have a choice. I, by choice, am introverted, but have taught myself to be extroverted uh, specifically to build a business. Oh, brilliant! You mentioned earlier when we touched, you know, the book of quotes that we were talking about that many of them you would have told your younger self like 10 years previous. But yeah, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I suppose it would be slow doesn't mean over, you know? 
there's always that next job around the horizon. And um, sometimes when there is a slow period, that's the best time to take a break or focus on a personal project that could potentially get you new clients. Those personal projects have obviously been really important to you. As things have now picked up and gone well for you, do you continue to do them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Personal projects are what drive my career, I suppose. That's how you can experiment and then shift gears if you if you need to brilliant ashwin it's been so good uh, do go to beingfreelance.com as for all of our guests there are links through so that you can go and check out ashwin's brilliant website it really is uh, a, a fun one to, to look at but also full of amazing work so yeah go take a look that's at beingfreelance.com and don't forget as well if you're a freelance parent like myself uh, like ashwin the other podcast i do is called doing it for the kids with frankie from the doing it for the kids <laughs> community so uh, grab your phone search for that wherever you found this podcast and i'll see you over there as well uh, but for now ashwin thank you so much and all the best being freelance thanks for having me i really appreciate this chat that's it there goes ashwin told you you were going to enjoy it make sure you subscribe so you get all the rest of this season and check out former episodes previous episodes not sure what the term should be at beingfreelance.com or wherever you found this and as i mentioned the book club is back being freelance book club we're reading donald miller's building a story brand you want to come join us and everything else we do in the community come find us there's a link at beingfreelance.com you're not alone being freelance okay i'll see you next time you have a great week being freelance